reading from the prophet Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They, bring, they shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in your hand of your God, in the hand of your God. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The word of the Lord. A reading from Ephesians. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to the humankind, as it was now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the master hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose, that he was carried out in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. Thank you to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem, saying, 
Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they'd heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm glad to be here this morning and St. Thomas the Apostle and to celebrate with you all the Holy Eucharist and the Sacrament of Confirmation. You know, it's exciting when we celebrate the sacraments, especially confirmation ordination. Yesterday, I ordained a priest in Palmer Memorial, and I recently moved here uh, in Houston, in the Diocese of Texas, and yesterday was my first uh, priesthood ordination. This is the first uh, priest I ordained here in the United States. I ordained like a 40 in Costa Rica, but this is my first time here. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting in the Episcopal Church because all the bishops, we have a number, and my number is 1105. I am the, the 1105 bishop in the tradition in the Episcopal Church. And in our registered and in our archives and files, um, David Watlam will appear as a priest consecrated by Bishop Monterroso, 1105, yeah? I was looking for 007, but <laughs> some, somebody get first. Um, my name is Hector Monterroso, and I am the assistant bishop in the Diocese of Texas. I served as a diocesan bishop in Costa Rica for 14 years before moving here, yeah? Um, I am not a new bishop. I am new bishop in the Diocese of Texas, but I worked for 14 years in Costa Rica as a bishop. I am not originally from Costa Rica. I am originally from Guatemala. I was ordained as a deacon and priest there, and later I accept the call to be, uh, and I, I was elected bishop in Costa Rica. Now I am here trying to learn and work here in the Diocese of Texas. This is my... Uh, at the beginning of my sixth month here in, uh, in Texas. Every time I share this, people ask me two questions. The first is, do you like Houston? And the second is, what I miss most about Costa Rica. 
The second is easy to answer at this time, the weather. <laughs> yeah, the weather is very different now uh, in Costa Rica and San Jose area. It's 70 degrees the whole year. Yeah, it's great, we don't use air condition. Uh, not wear sweaters. Yeah, this is the first uh, time I, it's necessary for me to go to the shopping center and get some sweaters. I'm going to Virginia next week, and I, 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 maybe I need more than sweaters there, yeah? Okay, um, yeah, um, I, I miss uh, different things from Costa Rica, but right now weather, yeah? You know Costa Rica is famous for coffee, yeah? We produce uh, good coffee in Costa Rica, and uh, it's famous for orange juice. We produce orange juice and send orange juice here to the United States. We produce uh, um, technology, microchips are coming here too. But Costa Rica is famous for two more things. One is tourism. Many people are visiting Costa Rica, especially this time, because the weather is great. And the second important now is the plastic surgery. You can imagine the people go to Costa Rica to get a plastic surgery there. Yeah, the, now I understand the reason when some people in the church tell me about, oh, when the people are going to Costa Rica, they come back different. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was thinking in terms of evangelism or something like that, but no, in terms of some uh, uh, different uh, fashion. Yeah, but it's true, many good doctors there and uh, dental medicine is famous uh, there. Uh, the first question, do you like Houston? Yes, of course, I like it. I like it a lot, and every day I can learn something new, something new every day, and that is great, because uh, always we, uh, it's important in our lives to learn something new. Um, some things are very uh, good, a little difficult to drive. You know, drive is difficult. Uh, some, uh, some rules like, are like suggestions, like, this, like the speed, you know, it's true, right? The people said uh, 55, I'm trying to go 55, but I am the slowest car in the, in the street, I need to go fast. Um, and you know, the more difficult thing for me in terms of driving here is in terms of turn left when the light is green because that is not legal in most of the countries in, in Central America. If, if you have no arrow and the light is green, you cannot turn left. And it's hard for me when I stop in a line and the line is green, I am waiting for the arrow. But you know, some people are not patient and they start to make different sounds to, to move my car. But you know, Houston is very interesting. Um, it's a good food, good places to eat, a lot of hospitality. Thank you for the breakfast today, this morning. Very, very good. Uh, it's a place with a de very different cultures. And it's a lot of order and organization. That is important, especially in terms of avenues and streets. You know, uh, I mentioned this because in Costa Rica, also Nicaragua and Panama, all the south of Central America, the addresses are 
quite complicated. The system is not based on streets and avenues, but rather on points on points of reference. Many of us in Latin America, we joke about the system, but the truth is that it is often difficult to find addresses, especially when you are foreign, foreigner in the country. Imagine this, the address in my house in Costa Rica, in San Jose, the capital, is something like this. From the southwest corner of the house of the ambassador of Italy, 175 meters north, the first terracotta scholar house, Guayabos, Curidabat, San Jose, Costa Rica, Central America. This is my address in, in, in Costa Rica. You can imagine, it's, it's complicated. And uh, I am pretty sure that the postmen are overpaid to find such complicated addresses. You know, the first thing I did when I moved to Costa Rica was to buy a compass, because we're not familiar with these directions. For me, it was amazing to see how the local people were always oriented. When you visit Costa Rica and cannot find an address, you can ask anyone. The person will stop to look the sun during the day or the sky at night and immediately give you the correct directions. They are always oriented. They know clearly where is the south, the north, the east, and the west. After 15 years of living there, I still keep my compass to use or use the GPS to find some of the addresses. But it's true, the people always are oriented because they can observe the sky, the sun, sometimes the stars, and they can see clearly where direction is necessary to take. That is very important. Sometimes it's necessary for us to go, to go back to some principles. We, are, uh, we have many devices now to support our life. But sometimes it's important to go back and to reflect and to check our environmental directions. This morning, the biblical readings invite us to reflect on the epiphany of the Lord Jesus Christ through his birth and the characters who participate in this glorious event. Particularly, let us focus in the wise men who came from different cardinal points in search of the new king. This story shows us a very particular position. On the one hand, that King Herod, who feels threatened uh, by the possibility of the birth of a new king, and on the other hand, that of the wise men who are following signs in the sky to find something surprising and new. That is very important because always when we try to follow Jesus and the people with experience follow Jesus always receive surprise and something new. I can understand King Herod because he somehow represents those 
who feel threatened change, especially when the change directly affects one's own authority and place in society. And on the other hand, I can see these wise people who, despite being people of great knowledge and almost certainly owners of great wealth, put their resources before the feet of those who will initiate a radical change. I am almost certain that at some point in our lives, we have had to face these two positions. The challenge that all change entails and the hope that change can bring something big and surprising to our lives. We always say in Latin America, change are good, but it's difficult to accept. In my own ministry, I have always been, been able to observe these two elements. To follow Jesus means to expect something new and surprising. And his plans do not necessarily coincide with mine. What I do know is that his plans are better. Even though sometimes I do not feel that I am prepared and ready, still, I trust that the Lord will give me the necessary gifts to serve and to serve the church. One important experience in my life and in the life of the people who are trying to follow Jesus is to learn to listen to his voice and to be obedient to his call. I am a mechanical engineer, that was my first career. And uh, I always remember when uh, I decided to, to went and to attend the seminary, um, it was not possible to, we had no full-time seminary in the Diocese of Guatemala. And it was necessary for people, a professional working full-time to attend the program from six in the afternoon to 10 at night every day during five days, five years. And I decided to accept the challenge. And uh, when I finished my seminary, one day the bishop called me and he said, you need to quit your job because I am going to send you to plant a new church. And I said, ooh, this is difficult, right? And he said, I have uh, one concern. And I said, please tell me. I was thinking in terms of experience, but he said, you know, we cannot pay the same salary you receive as a mechanical engineer. And I said, okay, yeah, and, um, but I decided to accept that challenge. And you know, a lot of blessing I start to receive in many different ways. Not, not just in terms of money, but in terms of health, in terms of knowing new people, in terms of to preach, in terms to discover all the marvelous things and goals and promises Christ has given us. Obedient to his call, sometimes that call involves difficult decisions and sometimes not complicated, but it is always the same. Something new and surprising happened 
when we accept Jesus' call. The sages followed the star, found the new king, placed their gifts at his feet. After placing their gifts, we do not know anything else about them. It probably is not important to know more about them because they have already fulfilled their mission. They came to give their gifts to Jesus, and those gifts are now in the hands of the Lord, who will multiply them in one way or another and use them to be to the benefit of someone else. Later, later in the biblical narrative of the life of Jesus, we will see this same model in which young people, children, women, good people and sinners all put their gifts and their lives at the Lord's feet. From those action, actions of trust, revelation and transformation come to their lives and something new and surprising happen again. This is also an important message for the church, and we are at an important time for us, here in the Diocese of Texas especially. We are called to do missional communities, to open our spaces, to offer our gifts and skills to people with needs. You know, sometimes we are not able to discover where the needs are. And sometimes the needs are knocking our doors. Many people with needs, immigrants, people with special needs are coming to visit us. And we need to be able to do something. Because when we put our skills and gifts in the Lord's feet, he will multiply. And something new are surprising happen again. It's interesting for me, not just here in the Diocese of Texas, but in many churches around the world, we have the same situation. Some churches struggle to stay active and renew themselves while others believe that they are well and that they do not, do not need to do anything else. Some others believe that they should not do anything else, although they have stopped growing. They only invest their gifts in maintaining the building. I don't know if you hear that, but it happens frequently. One of the big concerns in our churches is how we can spend our budget in the maintenance of the building. And sometimes we have not enough money to do mission. It's important to evaluate that important situation. In some way, the church is constantly renewed and needs that renewal. It needs to once again assume the risk and not to settle. Risk is important in the church. It's the Jesus life and experience. Sometimes it's important in the church to take risk. If we are so comfortable, it's time to move. 
I forget to say something important this in the beginning. Happy New Year. <laughs> this is the New Year. And you know the New Year, I, I can imagine it's the same. This is my first New Year celebration in, in the United States, but I can, I can understand it the same. It's the time to make promises. It's the time to make commitments. Yeah? And, and in Costa Rica, it's the same. The people, after eat a lot of tamales, the first thing we think is, my promise for next year is to eat less. Yeah? But, um, um, yes, we often, we often have promises in the beginning of this year. Some people promise to go back to the gym, walk more, eat less, visit our relatives, change our attitude, leave anger behind, do something good with our neighbor, spend less, buy a new vehicle, recycle, consume less energy. And in Costa Rica it's important, and this is a big promise, and the people think this is the secret of a, a, a longevity. Dance more and laugh. Yeah? Very, very interesting. You know, we have a blue sun in Costa Rica, and we have uh, 2,000 people in that small town, and 25 have more than 100 years. And National Geographic was there trying to research what is happening there, and they discovered some specific things. One is the people, uh, the people get up early. The people eat rice and beans. Not a lot of meat, but rice and beans. The people walk to the work. And the people laugh and dance. What are your good purposes for this new year? Whatever it is, do not forget to put the best of yourself to the Lord's feet and believe once again that the Lord will surprise you with something new. God bless you. Amen.